All righty. Welcome once again, everybody, to Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. The number, as always, the call is 201-939-4513. I am Russ Salzberg, joined today by John Schmoke, a first time that we are united, my friend. What's up, Russ? How are you? What's up? Well, the question is not what's up with me. It's what's up with the Giants. And, uh, you know, John, you were there yesterday. I got to tell you, uh, when I say you were there yesterday, you were in the locker room yeah. with me. And, you know, based on first impressions, you know, I don't want to put too much pressure on the guy, but they got a hold of Jamon Brown to play and to help on the offensive line. If he could be half as good on the field as he was talking and standing by his locker, I think uh, uh, using another sport, I think the Giants will have hit a home run because he was very impressive. Just his attitude, his confidence, standing by his locker, talking like a man. I thought he was um, he was all business and uh, ready to go. Yeah, look, I think he was he, he was very personable. He's a big guy. I mean, he, yeah, he the, those are three hundred and forty real pounds. Yeah, he, he he looks more like a tackle than he does a guard in terms of his height and his stature. Um, if you go to Giants.com, folks, I did a bit, two and a half minute one on one with him. You can check that out. Um, real, real good dude, and he's young too, Russ. He, he he's only twenty four years old. Um, he's on the last year of his rookie contract, so he's someone that Pat Shermer said at his press conference yesterday they hope to plug in as quickly as possible. He was asked specifically if that could happen as early as Monday night. He said, "Yeah, we're gonna try." Yes. So he could be a big part of this thing real soon. I, I uh, what impressed me about him though, you know, and I didn't realize he's only twenty four years old. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he's twenty four, very mature. Very mature in his answers. Um, he was asked specifically, look, he's going from the Rams, you know, and when he left the Rams, he was eight. They were eight. No, he's coming to the Giants are one and seven. So they asked him, uh, you, you know, a couple of people asked about, you know, do you got to gear yourself up and get yourself mentally ready? What's it like going from a team like that to a one and seven team in, in last place? And he was real emphatic. He says, look. It doesn't matter if you're eight and one. It doesn't matter if you're one and seven. It's football, and you are a pro, and you are you prepare yourself to play each and every game. And you know what? It wasn't cliche stuff. You, you know what? It wasn't that standard, you know, nonsense. Of course, it, it, it was. He was just a guy. I'm I'm really surprised that you tell me that he was. Uh, I thought he was. You know, maybe 27, 28. Very very mature for a young man. And like I say, uh, listen. I would expect nobody has told me anything. I don't know if anybody's told you anything, but my, my guess would be that um, uh, he moves into guard and uh, Pulley's would I would think Pulley stays at center and Greco goes back to being what they got him here for, which is a backup. Yeah, I would expect, and, and he's 25, not 24. Okay. Right? That's my fault. Uh, close enough. But um, he, yeah, I think right guards his spot. And then who winds up at center, Greco or Pulley, we'll see. But I think right guard is certainly the spot he'll wind up in. And talking to him, I think the interesting part, I asked him, what's tougher here, Jamon? Is it learning the playbook? Or is it learning kind of the nuances of the Giants' offense and working with the guys that you're going to be next to that you haven't played with before? And he said, look, play, plays are plays. There's only so many running plays you can run. But... It's the nuances of the Giants' system, of their offense, of the guys he's playing alongside and learning you know, how to play with them. Because when you play on the offensive line, it's so much chemistry. It's knowing what the guy next to you is going to do without having to look at him and ask him. So that's something that will develop in time. It's not going to come right away, 
but it's something that he thinks he can figure out relatively quickly. Yeah, you know, and Jeff Fegels was here uh, yesterday. We were talking about it. You know, it wasn't, there was some calls. I think our friend Len from Columbia, Maryland called and, you know, saying, well, you don't want to get the guys who are let go. You want to get the guys who, who were picked up, which forced the guy to be let go. But you, you got to remember something on certain teams. Listen, there are guys on certain teams that are, would be starters in a lot of places in the league, just that they're stuck behind, you know, some good players. I think he was one of those guys. And let's be frank, it wasn't just the Giants who put in waivers on him. Correct. They had quite a few people interested in him. Yeah, and look, it, it, it's November. Uh, all pros aren't falling off teams here. You know, they, they don't grow on trees. So you pick up the best players that are available. If they're better than the players on your roster, you take them, you develop them, and you see what you can do. Now, uh, I don't think anyone's going to tell anyone out there that somebody that was let go by another NFL team is going to come in here and be the magic wand silver bullet that solves all their problems on the offensive line. That's not going to happen here, but it doesn't mean he can't help and make things a little bit better and he'll have a chance to do it quickly. Okay, having said that, uh, listen, you know, my attitude is everybody's talking about, well, what's going to happen, you know, with the quarterback and what's happening with this and with that. Well, Eli's starting Monday. We know that. that exactly. Eli's start, starting Monday, and from a giant standpoint, you know, I've said this before, and when you're 1-7, and seven, that has to be the mandate. You win the game by any means necessary. It, it don't don't start. We had, we had some calls yesterday. I forget his name. Good guy. Uh, you, you, I'm sure you've spoken to him before. He was looking through the schedule and and he's looking through the other schedules and he's trying to figure out. You know the other teams in the NFC East. They have a tough schedule too. And if he, he's already had to figure out if things fall the Giants' way, maybe we can still get to. And I'm saying, listen, before you win. Two in a row, you got to win one in a row. Correct. And then you go from there. Let's take care of business. Let the Giants take care of business out in San Francisco. Then they can worry about Tampa Bay back home. And then I believe it's the Eagles. But you, you just got to correct the situation going on. And I thought coming out of the break, I, I didn't get a chance to talk to you after, uh, you know, uh, the uh, Pat Shermer's, uh, you know, get together with us yesterday, mm -hmm. nor after the locker room. But I, I thought Shermer was pretty upfront and candid about everything and says, listen, everybody's got to play better. You know, I, it wasn't a mandate. You know, I saw some of this nonsense, which the back page had, uh, back page of the Daily News had four, you know, here it is. What's it say? Four more quarters. Well, th that wasn't the message to Eli Manning. No. The message was to everybody, listen, we all have to play better. If you keep losing games, li listen, they're obligated to find out what they got on the roster with everybody along the line. You don't want to make the same mistakes you made last year. Hey, look, I, I talk to Eli after every game, and the first thing he says to me is that I need to play better. Yeah. So, I mean, the, 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 this isn't late-breaking news here. Um, and, look, there's still eight games to go. The National Football League is not the NBA, where you just roll guys out, and if you lose, you lose. These guys are literally putting life and limb on the line every time they step out there. It's the responsibility of the coach to give the team – the best chance to win every time they go out there. And Eli Manning gives this team the best chance to win as their starting quarterback. Now, that doesn't mean that he's the next quarterback for the next five years and he's the future. He's 39 years old. Look, we get that. Math is math. Um, well, let's we, not make him 39 yet. I think it's 37. You're right. I'm there. sorry. <laughs> Correct. You're right. 37. Okay. Absolutely. And those are two different issues. And where the Giants stand now, he gives them the best chance to win. That's why he's going to play. And he, they asked him, well, why did you talk to Eli specifically? He said, well, he's the quarterback. He's the most important position on the team, and he's a captain. So you're going to have those individual conversations, and, and I don't think people should take more out of that 
than than Coach Shermer said they should. Well, I, I'm glad you said that because that that was my attitude. And, and he said he, Shermer said to everybody, "Roll with it any which way you want. Mm-hmm. You, you know, take out of it what you want." So I guess that's that's inviting everybody to speculate, but he didn't need to invite everybody to speculate. That's going to happen, you know, when he wakes up in the morning. Well, whenever the coach says anything about the quarterback, you know the ears go up. Yeah, you, you know, I, I was talking with former uh, Giants GM uh, a couple of weeks ago, Ernie Acorsi, and Ernie said, "Listen, Ernie's the guy who brought uh, Eli Manning to the Giants, mm-hmm. and he's the guy who said he's Russ, Eli, or anybody else. The quarterback is the lightning rod." It does not matter who was right, who was wrong, who was good, who was not. The quarterback remains the lightning rod. You know, it is, it's the biggest position in all the sports. It, it, when you think about it, it really is. Oh, sure it is. Because football is the most team-oriented sport of all the sports, and it's got to start with the quarterback. So, you know, nobody's touching the ball uh, more than the center and uh, the quarterback. 201-939-4513 is the number. Want to remind everybody, Big Blue Kickoff Live here is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win yourself amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. Uh, John, what do you say we open up the phone lines? Let's do it. Go to our buddy uh, in Alamucci. It is Chris. Chris, how you doing today? You're on with Russ hey, and well. John. Doing well, Russ. Hi, hi, John. Hi, Russ. What's up, Chris? How we doing? Hey, it's, uh, good, good. So, uh, you know, today, to my surprise, the Giants, uh, I, I don't know if it was announced yet, but it looks like they, they have released, is that confirmation released on uh, the punt returner, Quadri Henderson? Yes. I'm a little shocked. I mean, he's, he's actually been a, a, a bright spot for a couple games. And a uh, little, little surprised at that move. What, what's your thoughts? Is that is that to pave the way maybe for Corey Coleman well, well, to, well, to do some returns? What, what do you think? Oh, I think, well, John, maybe you know a little more than I do. I, I don't know. Uh, obviously, Corey Coleman, I, I think that's part of the, the reason he can be cut or was cut. Listen, they needed to make room for um, R.J. McIntosh, who was, who was just uh, added to the roster. So, uh, listen, he was drafted by them. I'm guessing, and, and this is just guessing, John, so I don't know if you know anything different. Uh, I would think that they're going to try and figure out a way to bring Quadri Henderson back. If, if, yeah, and look, Russ, I don't think that they want to use a roster spot on a guy that just, just does with, returns. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's really the bottom line. They can't use him anywhere else. He's a return man, and that's it. Um, and I think Joel Davis coming back from concussion, maybe you'll use him on punts. Coleman. Yeah, and then Corey Coleman as well. So, yeah, I think they'll figure out a way to get around it, and I just think they don't want to have a guy taking up a roster spot that just does returns, and I really think that's pretty much what Quadri Henderson is. Yeah, I, I, Chris, yeah, I, I think, you know, it wasn't they didn't like him. Obviously, listen, both of us here will be the first ones to tell you he certainly gave them a boost, but I, I think that's the reasoning behind it. I, I don't think... In my mind, I wouldn't think he's completely ruled out of the future, but that was the reasoning behind that. I think John just spelt it out. The other guys, Davis and, and uh, Coleman, you know, offer you um, other options besides just returning. You, you remember, this, this team is 1-7. and seven. They're not 7-1. and one. They, You know, they can't just afford that one position. Yeah, right. I, I, I got it. And um, on, on Jamone Brown, very, very impressed with that pickup. I, I think, you know, hopefully next year he could – he could solidify that right guard spot. Um, I know you, you touched upon it last week, but um, besides that point, I also wanted to say, 
you know, the Giants, since they had Sean O'Hara, I always go back to the offensive line, but that's, you know, this anchor at the center position. I know right now we're not going to change anything, but it's just, you know, it, it's it, it, it's pretty ironic uh, in itself that you have to go back to Sean O'Hara. It was the last time when the Giants were able to run the ball and they had a, uh, you know, a, a, an anchor at center. Now, David Boss, you know, he did okay, but he was injured quite a bit. And even back then in 2011, we didn't have a great running game. Like Paul, Paul alluded to, we, we were sporadic. We had our moments. But um, how, what, what's, your, what's your feeling on moving forward with Jalapeno next year? Or do you really feel like, uh, you know, center's going to be uh, – uh, something the Giants will look at in either the draft or free agency. Yeah, I mean, Chris, they, they've invested in, in the center position. You mentioned David Boss. They used a second-round draft pick on Weston Richburg. So those are two significant investments since Sean O'Hara retired and left um, that they have made the center position. It hasn't worked out the way they wanted to, obviously. Um, I think Jalapio will be back, have a chance to compete for that job next year. But will they look the other way and say, oh, we don't need to make any improvement at this spot in the offseason? No, they'll explore all their options. And if they see something out there that makes sense, I'm sure they'll bring in another body. You know, they didn't plan on Jalapio being hurt. You, you know, so, so we, you know, we were getting the, the the conversation yesterday about, well, why they let you know letting Brett Jones go. Listen, I'm the first one to tell you, I was a big fan of Brett Jones. Yeah, me too. I, I was sorry. Right. I think everybody in the organization yeah. was was a fan. They made the the decision to go with Jalapio. Listen, if you know, you would have had the foresight to know he was going to get hurt. They never would have traded Brett Jones, but. That, Jalapio, let, let me tell you what, Jalapio going down caused a domino effect that had very negative, you know, um, had very, very much negative effects throughout because it, yeah. it, it created the domino of this guy coming in and this guy moving over. It just wasn't good. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, guys, thanks for, thanks for the info and uh, talk to you guys soon. Thanks, right, guys. Chris, thank you. 201-939-4513 is the number. Let's now go down to New Orleans and check in with Narod. Is that, am I saying it right, Narod? Yes, you're saying it right. You're right. saying it right, there. All right, hey, Narod. How y'all doing that? Doing all right, buddy. Good, buddy. Yeah, my question is, um, yeah, I think Giants just got to get back to their little fundamentals, like we got, our, we got our running back that we need, but you know, we like I said, I think we need to find our little Dave Maggot, our Dave Maggot Tyson, Otis Anderson, which we got already, and get some little fast, fast rushes. And yeah, but Narod, 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 one, one thing real quick. You don't need David Maggot. Saquon Barkley is your third down back. If anything, you want to add somebody to maybe do some of the first and second down work. He's an excellent receiver. You want him on the field on third down. So if you want to pair him with somebody, that's fine. But I would never take Saquon off Barkley off the field on, in passing situations. He's far too dynamic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, give him a little breather, like a little, you know, another little bag just to give him a good breather. Well, yeah, Narod, you, you got to remember one thing, and thanks for the call, my friend. But, but I, I think, again, we keep repeating ourselves, but the truth is the truth. Saquon Barkley, and I've said this, John. Unless God forbid he's injured, uh, you know. Why uh, even saying yeah, things it, like it, that, Ross? What are you doing? Exactly. <laughs> You're talking about a guy. He's a potential Hall of Famer. Okay, but having said that, here is this stud running back. Yet the Giants have lacked a running game. Saquon Barkley has more negative yard rushes than anybody in the league. 
And, and a lot of it, the passes, the little out passes to him haven't gone for anything. That, that's not Saquon. That's, you know, this is why Jamon Brown is one of the reasons they got him. I mean, the offensive line needs to be improved all the way around. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm bringing up a number here because Tom Rock had it in his story over the weekend, and I thought it was a, an excellent stat, and, and it kind of vibes to what you were talking about, Russ, in, in terms of Saquon Barkley. And you look at his numbers, you know, the guy's on pace to have 2,000 yards, uh, yards of total scrimmage yards. I mean, he's going to have 1,000 yards receiving, 1,000 yards rushing if he continues on this pace. But if you take his carries this year, his seven longest rushes have gone for 266 yards. His other 104 have gone for 250. Think about that. You can't sustain drives that way. Yeah, you'll make a couple big plays. You'll get a couple touchdowns that way. But if you're constantly in second and nine and second and ten and second and 11 with this offensive line pass protecting the way it is, you don't have much of a chance. You know, um, I don't know if you had a chance. Jeff and I were talking about it yesterday. I don't know if you had a chance to watch the – Rams Saints game this week. Oh, I did. It was a great game. Okay, mm-hmm. did you catch that remark? Uh, I, I'll bet you did, uh, unless you were busy playing with the baby. Yeah, I might have been. Okay, <laughs> but but um, Troy Aikman brought out a point, and it, they they showed it on the screen, like in, in stop motion. He was talking about you know if there is one thing that Drew Brees had gotten criticized over the years or viewed as a negative was his height sure his size mm-hmm. so he showed something he, he he showed the pass protection he was getting not only were there no rams near him but the lanes were wide open and and troy aikman said he, drew Brees could have been forget 511 he could have been five feet tall that's what happens when you have an offensive uh, line that's taking care of business for you. And they might have the best offensive line of football this yeah, year. Yeah, but that's a significant, significant thing. You, you know, people always, uh, they're just talking about Eli, and it, it's because it's Eli and, and the passing game. They forget, like, what was that number you said about the running, the rushing? Uh, In his seven longest rushes have gone for 266 yards. Hang on. Seven longest, 266. Yeah, and his other 104 have gone for 253, I which mean, is about two and a half yards per carry. Think about that. And, and most of those, those seven long ones, uh, they were on his own. Oh, absolutely. He, yeah. he, he made chicken salad out of chicken fertilizer. And Russ, you know what? Most of those short ones are on his own too. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you want to know what? That's, that happens to be a very good point because there were a lot of times he was hit behind the line of scrimmage, and instead of it being negative, even though he has so many, so many of those negative rushes, he'd make something out of it. Instead being of it being two negative two, it'll be a one. Yeah. yeah. No question about yeah, it. That, that's, you know, people forget that. And again, this is not piling on the offensive line, but that's a discussion that it just seems to be people, you know, here we are eight games into the season. We're going into the Giants' ninth game Monday night. And you know, as much as we've heard complaints here, I know John's heard it, I've heard it, all the other hosts have heard it, that you know talks about the offensive line. Our friend Charlie in Portland, Maine, certainly calls us to talk about it. Friend is very, very, <laughs> yes, yes, very casually used there, but that's but, okay. But, but <laughs> y- y- you know, really, folks, it, it's it's a situation that is there, and it's not just a passing game. You know, you know, he he also brought up a point. Um, uh, somebody brought it up about Solder 
is not playing any different, really, than he played in New England. The difference is, and I don't know if what was Aikman or somebody brought it up. The, the difference is Brady was able to step up. And That's a great point. You can't step up. He was able to step up with the Patriots, but he can't step up here because when you step when he, he's tried, when Eli's tried to step up with the Giants, it's been clogged. There's been no, no place to step up to. Yeah, and believe it or not, I know people, you know, and Pro Football Focus does their grading with some of these players and take it with a grain of salt, obviously. They don't know the playbook and you don't take them for, you know, golden rule, this is what it is. But his grade from them this year is basically identical to what his grade has been with the Patriots. It's about the same. So, look, I'm not telling you he's playing like an all-pro. No. But we knew that when he came here. He had never made a Pro Bowl with the Patriots. So, you knew what you were getting, and you're right. Uh, the fact that Eli is not able to step up and move the other portions of the pocket because the depth of the pocket is not being you know, sustained by the guards in the center, it makes things difficult for the tackles, too. 201-939-4513 is the number. Again, got to remind all of you wonderful folks out there that Big Blue Kickoff Live here is presented to you by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win yourself amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. Um, I, I One thing that I took away from the locker room yesterday, you know, quite frankly, John, I've felt that way throughout the season. And um, the guys... You know, it is not a negative locker room. And when I say it's not a negative locker room, it's not like these guys, well, they're just going cavalier. They don't care about the losses. Trust me, they care about the losses. But I I just think it's not like last year. Guys aren't sitting around in corners in factions. you, you know, no one's getting suspended. Everyone showed up after the bye week, which is good. No, but 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 really, there's been no, uh, you know, there hasn't been finger pointing. Nope. Everybody's been. They're trying. They're, they're trying to get stuff fixed. Is there frustration? You betcha. Top to bottom throughout the organization, including people sitting here and, and you people sitting out there. That comes with the territory. Nobody likes to lose. But I, look, one in seven, you know, as Parcells would say, you, rec- you are what your record says you are. And no, no one's running from it either. Yeah. Nope. It, but, but it's there's only one th- place to go for them is up. You know, and that's, you know, to me, he's got to start Monday night. Yeah, Russ, it's funny. You know, I've watched some 49ers this week, you know, heading into the game, and they're better than their record would indicate. They're only 2-7. and They haven't had their bye week yet. And one number that jumps out for me, this year on the season, the 49ers are minus 13 in turnover ratio. Only one team is worse at minus 15. That's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So they've had 13 more giveaways than they've had takeaways this year. Their offense is ranked higher than the Giants, yardage-wise. Their defense is ranked higher than the Giants, yardage-wise. Their big bugaboo this year has been their turnovers. So that's something that's going to be really important for the Giants on Monday. They have to protect the ball, and they got to take the ball away from the 49ers. Both these teams have similar issues in that way. The Giants are minus four this year, I believe. So that's a big deal for this game. You need to force the Niners into mistakes because if they play a clean game, they're not a bad football team despite their record. Well, you know, uh, Pat Shermer said something yesterday. Uh, I, I don't know exactly, but I'm paraphrasing. Something to the effect of give us one more touchdown each game, and the record is far more different than one and seven. Closer to 500, I think, was yeah. what he said. Mm-hmm. You know, could, could very well be four and three. I, I mean, 
And, you know, to, to say, well, you can say that about anybody, but think about all the times in the red zone when you're coming up empty. I mean, think about that. If you, if you just go half the time. So it's, what's the expression? You've got to finish. You know, that's been a problem, you know, all season long. And, and you know what? How about this? I, I was thinking, we were thinking about this yesterday. They go down to Houston. They beat the Texans. Eli has a great game, 25 for 29, like 290-something yards and two TDs. Since they beat the Texans in Houston, <laughs> the Texans haven't lost. They go to Carolina. They lose on a 63-yard field goal. And Carolina has been, you know, a red-hot team since then. Yeah, they look like one of the best teams in the conference. So, so I, I mean, it, it, it's crazy. It, you know, um, Shoulda, woulda, coulda doesn't mean a hill of beans. The record is you are what your record says you are. They are one and seven. But you, you look at a situation, and it's not easy. You're not difficult to say that you know things could be a little different if they had any kind of good fortune. I, I mean, it, it's been a head scratcher going back to last season. You, you're losing on a, what, what was it, a 61-yard field goal? Or yeah, Elliot by Elliot. Elliot, mm-hmm. you're losing a 63. I mean, and it wasn't just... Like with 20 seconds left, it was at the, with the dagger in the heart at, at the buzzer, you know? Re- really just... Um... Yeah, look, yeah, they have not caught any breaks this year. Uh, there's no question about it. And that happens in the NFL. And some teams are good enough to overcome some of those things. And right now where the Giants are, they're not. You know, they don't have the, the roster and everything else going their way to overcome those types of mistakes. And that, I think, Russ kind of goes back to what's been happening on offense, too, aside from... The red zone issues, which, like you mentioned, are prevalent. They moving the ball. They've been okay the last few weeks. They just can't get the ball in the end zone. Uh, the other problem you have is is overall negative plays. You mentioned the negative plays in the rushing game. Well, throwing the penalties on offense and then throwing the thirty one Eli Manning sacks. And the Giants, I believe, have the third most total negative plays in football. They have the second most negative yardage in football over the course of the year. And much like we talked about before, that's going to put you in a bunch of second and long. It's going to put you in a bunch of third and long. And it's very difficult for a team like this coming off a 3-13 and season that's churned over probably over 60% by now of their roster. It's hard to overcome that sort of stuff. It just is. And the Giants have to clean that stuff up. And it starts up front, but... Look, it's on everybody. And, Russ, I've been saying this on, on the show because we haven't been together. But when you're 1-7, and seven, everyone's in the foxhole together. The players are in the foxhole. The coaches in the foxhole. The GM's in the foxhole. The trainers are in the foxhole. Strength and conditioning's in the foxhole. Everyone's in it together. You don't get to 1-7 and seven because only one part of what's going on is a problem. Everything's a problem. And everyone's working together to try to fix it. You know, I'm just looking at... Um Eli's, his completion rate, oh, I just lost it for a second. Best of his career. It, it's Right now, it's the best of his career. Now, mm-hmm. I, I know the naysayers are going to say, oh, yeah, come on. But it is. It, it is the, the, right now, it's the best of his career at 68.3. He's got 2,377 yards. Let, let's go back. Let me give you some of the games this season of his yardage, Okay. 224, 279, 297, 255, 326, 281, 399, 316. 
Now, some of that does come at the end of games when it's two-score games, and, with, and that with, is fair. With, but you can say that about everybody. That, that is fair. But we're, mm -hmm. we're, we're talking about, I mean, really, when you look at it, you know, th there's enough there if, if given a little bit of help the fortunes of this team could be a lot different. And, yeah. And th then throw in the aspect of of what John was talking about. Those those are staggering. That's a staggering uh, statistic. Seven, his seven longest yards were for a total of Saquon, 266. The 104, the other 104, 253 yards. I mean, that's, that's mind-boggling. It's not good. And this is a guy who uh, has overcome and, you know, Done better than any expectations you might have had for him. And he had pretty high expectations for second overall pick. But he's been as good, if not better, than advertised. But like everybody, look, you mentioned it before. Football is a, it's the biggest team game there is. You know, baseball players can go up there. They have their individual batting average, home runs. You're one-on-one -on -one with the pitcher. And in a lot of ways, it's a one-on-one -on -one sport in the, you know, cocoon of a team Basketball thing. player, one guy can take over, you know. The, Absolutely. The, the, and, and there's only five guys on the floor at once, right? right. right? So, but NFL's different. Uh, ten guys on the field at the same time can all do the right thing. If one guy screws up, the whole thing goes to hell. So, it's, what, it's one of those things where small things here or there can really have a larger effect on what's going on. Um, and that's why there isn't a silver bullet solution. And there's no, well, if you change A, everything's going to be fine. You change one guy, oh, it'll be okay. And, and Pat Shermer said that. I, it was either right after the buy going into the buy, Russ. He was asked about, um, you know, how do you fix this? And he goes, well, guys, if there was one thing to fix, I, I would have fixed that back in week three. It, it's not that simple. It, it's, it's a lot more complex than that. Yeah, they seem uh, – th that's a good point, and, and that also points to Jamon Brown. I don't want to put all, all, all kinds of pressure on Jamon Brown, mm -hmm. but – but Pat Shermer, you know, I had a chance to chat with him a bit afterwards, uh, after the locker room. You know, we ran into each other. And he seemed extremely excited, uh, as was Dave Gettleman, about Brown joining the team. Yeah. They just feel he's not just a big guy. He's not, not just a big body. They feel he's a player and a player that can help. And listen... That, that has been a glaring problem. We're, we're, we're talking about Eli Manning. We're talking about Saquon Barkley. We're talking about negative yard rushes. We're talking about in the, in the failures in the red zone. It all adds up to a, a point of uh, concern that needs to be corrected. We've had certainly had enough calls on those, so hope, hopefully it can get corrected. I want to see Evan Ingram have a big second half. Well, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because we know he's been hurt. Yeah, he missed three games. He missed three games, mm -hmm. but um, he's got to play better. Yeah, he can't have the drops. He, he, he has a higher drop rate than last year, believe it or not. Yeah. I think it's something 12% versus 10%. And look, they have not been able to get him down the field. He's caught a bunch of short passes. Run him down the seam. You know, let him use his athleticism, his speed, his height, to, to bring some attention away from Barkley, from Shepard, from, from, from Beckham. We just haven't seen him get utilized in that way yet. And I think if they can figure out a way to get him out there, and I know they have to use him to protect sometimes to help out the offensive line, I get it. But he's too good of an athlete not to be a bigger part of this offense. He's also – well, let me ask you a question. Sure. Do you think that has something to do with the way he's utilized? You know, he's not your prototypical tight end. No, he's more of a receiver. He's more of a receiver. Oh, what, what 
you know, a lot of time it's a lot of times the term is used in basketball. He's a tweener. They don't know if he's a mm-hmm. swing man, a forward, a, a guard. I, I I call him a tweener, but he's more of a pass catcher than a tight end. Yeah, but I think the way the Giants with. Red Ellison as your more traditional tight end, and you could run them both out there at the same time. And it's not like the Giants have a slot receiver or a number three receiver that's, you know, burning the world down here. You know, after Beckham and Shepard, they've basically just been sliding guys in and out based on injuries. Russell Shepard, Cody Latimer, uh, Benny Fowler was there a couple weeks ago. Well, I think it's going to be kind of interesting to see how Corey Coleman gets used. Yeah, and I think, and he's a guy now that's been here a couple weeks with the bye. Maybe he can figure things out, but. There's no reason Ingram shouldn't be that third guy. I don't care if he's a receiver or a tight end. He should be that third guy. And I know Barkley's obviously in the mix, too. He might be the second guy, actually, which, funny enough, with his 50 catches. But Ingram should be in that mix, and I think he can stretch the field a little bit. And you you can get that tight end down that seam without the quarterback having to hold the ball a long time either. You know, it's not like he used to run a double move and things like that. Just have him run straight down the field and then let the zone adjust to him. And that can get teams out of some of those zone defenses that I think have given the offense some issues. 201-939-4513. The number again. Got to remind all of you wonderful people out there. Big Blue Kickoff Live here. Presented to you by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win yourself amazing Giants prizes throughout this 2018 campaign. Let's go. uh, Let's stay local in Jersey. Check in with Haz. Has, how you doing today? You're on with Russ and John. All right. How you doing, fellas? Long time no here. What's up, Has? How uh, are you? I've been in a while. I want to talk about the offensive line, John. <clears throat> you know, the thing about this and the thing about what I've seen is in the beginning when we first had the draft, I believe we blew it, not by not taking Saquon Barkley because that was a great pick. But after Hernandez, we didn't pick up any more offensive linemen, and we should have. We should have stockpiled as much picks as we had, offensive linemen, centers, guards, whatever they were, just so that we can have them. And I think that that was the mistake that we made, uh, not addressing that um, fully. And, you know, picking up the defensive players was great. And I'm, I, I have no problem with that. But the problem is, is that the reason why Eli is getting bad so much is because the offensive line is so terrible that they can't even block a stone sitting in front of them. And that's bad. These are professional football players who get paid to play. And your technique is supposed to hold up against other professional players. And when they do not, the quarterback gets the blame. And it's not all Eli's fault. He has held the ball a little bit longer than what he did last year. But I'm just saying, if we would if we would have addressed the offensive line then, we wouldn't necessarily be having these problems right now. Yeah, but Haas, here's here well, one thing. Up. Yeah, Haas, one thing real quick. I, you know, once you got past that second round, I'm not sure there were any starting caliber plug and play linemen left. Yeah, that in the four, in the fourth or fifth round, maybe you could have drafted a guy like Jamarco Jones out of Ohio State. Uh, who kind of dropped a little bit, but he hasn't really played yet this year. I don't know how good he really is. Uh, Tyrell Crosby out of Oregon, another guy who dropped in the draft, but he had some foot issues, which kind of is what pushed him down the draft boards with people. Um, Those are the only two guys that were available late at tackle that I think maybe could have helped down the road. But honestly, when me and Paul did our show uh, on day two of the draft and we looked at who was available in the third round, uh, aside from those two tackles, and both guys ended up being available in the fifth, so obviously you don't want to pick them in the third, um, there weren't any other offensive linemen where I said, you know what, I need to have this guy. The Frank Ragnalls were gone. The Billy Prices were gone. You know, all those guys that you thought 
you could play right away weren't on the board anymore. Because offensive lines become such a position of scarcity in the league that teams now right. pick these guys high. So um, I don't think once you got past that second round, there was somebody there. And I don't want to give back B.J. Hill and Lorenzo Carter either, by the way. Those guys look like they're going to be pretty good players. I don't think yeah, there was absolutely. anyone there that would have helped now. Now, maybe in two or three years, someone you could have picked in the third, fourth, or fifth round could help you. Yeah, sure, that's possible. I'm not going to argue that. But now, solving the Giants' problems in 2018, I'm not sure those guys were on the board. Yeah, you, you know, Haz, I, I, I think you make a fair point, but I think, you know, John explained it to you, you know, pretty well on the money. Listen, uh, if you wanted to stockpile some guys maybe for the future, but think about it, uh, you know— you you got Will Hernandez on the offensive line. He's starting. So what? It, like you're saying, if they if they would have drafted differently this past draft and would have helped this season, and they wouldn't be in this predicament. So you're saying, well, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but basically the suggestion is you got Will Hernandez, and then then you're gonna have lower round draft picks. What are you gonna have two and three rookies, especially lower round guys, all on the line together? Well, well. well. Well, my, my, my point <clears throat> would just be is that even though we got Will Hernandez in the second round, we still would be able to pile or get some type of offensive lineman because the ones that we had weren't very good. So if you had, whether you get a supplement draft or whether you get a free agency, whatever it was, bring in a whole school lineman when you can so you can work them out. And knowing that Eric Flowers was already, he, he was a bust, Okay, he wasn't efficient enough. Oh, Brett Jones, they let him go, which I don't agree with, but I understand. And, you know, Jalapeno, he had just came in, so you really didn't know. So you, I'm just saying gave us an, ourselves an opportunity and not limit our hand. You I, know what I mean? As far as, as far as the way we had to play it. So, but I think Jamon Brown, and I'm just going to hang up with this. I think Jamon Brown is a great pickup because watch how the pocket now. If once they start to get in sync, how how it, it'll be able to to have a certain uh, arc to it, and I believe it'll open up some holes for our part. Thanks, fellas. I appreciate it. I'll catch you off the air. Thanks, Haas. Appreciate uh, it. All right, Haas. Uh, thank you. I, I understand where Haas is coming from. I, I don't totally agree, simply because. You touched on it before when you know when Jalapia went down. That that I don't uh, listen. I'm not saying he is Bart Oates, okay. I'm not saying he's he's was a budding Hall of Famer, but they put a lot of stock in him. They had so much faith in him. They traded Brett Jones, and they had Greco there too. They thought could be depth at that position. Yeah, well, but but Greco was there for, for exactly for what he did. He, right. he was a backup. Mm -hmm. So, but Jalapeno goes down, that screwed things up because now the guy you had as a backup now needed to be your starter. And I think the point I want to make to Haas, too, is Haas, I think they did what you wanted them to do, maybe just not the way you wanted them to do it. Uh, they had an undrafted free agent, Evan Brown, um, who's still here, I believe, on the— I think he's on the active roster, right, Dave? Evan Brown, if I'm not mistaken. I think he is, right? And they have a couple other guys on the practice squad. They had a bunch of linemen in here in the spring and the summer competing. I mean, they did not bring back players from last year. Their only returning players were Flowers um, and then John Jerry, who both eventually got cut, and the two centers, Jalapio and Brett Jones, and, and then Chad Wheeler, who barely played last year. So uh, they did bring in a slew of new guys. I mean, at the start of the year, Russ, not one guy 
was starting in the same position they were the year before, and four guys were brand new. The only guy that was still there was Flowers, and he was on the right side instead of the left. So, to me, they did try to completely overhaul this thing. Now, the results aren't what you want, and it's, you're more than fair to criticize that, and we're not going to argue with you, but they certainly tried to overhaul this thing as much as they can in one year. But remember, guys, it's hard to fix an offensive line in one offseason. It's just too hard to do. There aren't a bunch of good offensive linemen floating around ready to be picked up for low cost. They just don't exist anymore. You, you know, folks, I, I think, uh, you know, the Giants didn't go out and tell you or myself or John here or anybody else who, who sits here. The, the, the Giants didn't say everything is fixed. We're all good. A lot of people Fans and media all felt, well, you know what? Man, this is a potential playoff team. Well, you know, how many times has a 3-13 and team, a 3-13 and team been penciled in as a possible playoff team the following season? I don't think that happens too frequently. I can't tell you, Russ, how many people got mad at me when I said during the offseason that they went 8-8, eight and eight, that would be a good improvement. Yeah. And people were like, that's not enough. You know, I hold on to usually the, um, you know, from the newspapers, in particular the, the Post and the uh, the Daily News. Sure. The the, the uh, preseason previews and, and the picks. That are all wrong? That, yeah. No, but think about it. <laughs> the year before, going into last season, going into last season, mm-hmm. I mean, 10 and 6, 9 and 7, playoff team, yada, yada, yada. I, I pulled out going into this season. I, I couldn't find the Daily News when I found the post. You know what they had the Giants as? Nine and seven. Now, the Giant organization, Dave Gettleman and, and, and Shermer, uh, did, didn't say we're going to be nine and seven. This is, you know, the media. So, you know, a lot of people decided this was going to be a playoff team. I mean, three and 13. Yeah, eight and eight. Think about that. That would have been a major improvement. Yeah. Now, obviously, it's going to be real hard to get there from oh, one and seven. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, odds are that's not going to happen. Yeah, no. But, like you said, a couple you know bounces of the ball here or there. Maybe they're three and four instead of one and seven, or three and five, whatever the case e- might even be. If, even if it was three and five, Correct. then mm-hmm. the eight and eight, you're saying, oh, you know what, a little, a little bounce here. Think about it. But three and thirteen, people had. Daffodils dancing in their head. Three and thirteen. You're gonna go right away, and, and all of a sudden you're gonna become a playoff team. Now I'm not gonna lie to you. One and seven is shocking to me. I, I would think it is to you. No, none of us sure. would see that coming. And my prediction was consistent before the year, Ross. I said if the Giants are sitting there and they're playing in a meaningful football game in that game against the Redskins the second week of December, that means you had yourself a pretty good year. Because that means you're in the mix for a wild card spot of the division. Maybe you're a couple games back. And if you're in a meaningful game in that, you know, second or third week of December and you're still playing for something, coming off 3-13, of you can't give yourself a better opportunity than that. No, that, I mean, well, let's see. That is, yeah, you got Frisco, Tampa Bay, Philly. Yeah, you, you know, you're right. Th- yeah. That that was a good way to look if at it. If you're in the mix on December 9th with four games to play off 3-13, and 13, I'll take it. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe you get hot. Maybe you win a couple of those games. You manage to squeak in. And if you don't, you don't. But 
that's not a bad position to be in. No. Now, they're obviously not in that position. No, it's, but I, again, like, uh, none of us would see one and seven, but again, I didn't see things like a 56-yard field goal as time running out and, you know, some of that stuff uh, as well. Oh, also, you know, I hate to go back to, like, last year. Oh, the collapse last year, and, you know, we, we all know the whole drama and everything from last season, but... Um, Remember the game, you didn't lose one, you didn't lose two, you lost three wide receivers with, what was it, broken legs? or, or, or You lost yeah. an entire receiving court. That's why last year was different than this year. Yeah. You know, last year started poorly, but then everybody got hurt. So once you got to the second half of the season, you're playing guys off the street uh, everywhere. It a, was a disaster. It, it was one step above Sandlot football. Yeah, I mean, you were playing guys that had met each other like three days before in the locker room. So that was different. You haven't, while you've had some injuries, like Jalapio, for example, it has not been a plague like it was last year with all your best players being out. So that's why I think one in seven, at least for me, is a little more disappointing because a lot of the guys are out there. But that's also why I think if you do a couple of these things better, like red zone offense, like converting on third and long a little bit better, being in third and manageable a lot more, you can still win. You know, maybe maybe you can go 500 the rest of the way. Maybe you can go four and four. You know, and, and do your best and try to get as many wins as you can. And I think this team is far more capable of winning games in November and December than the MASH unit that was left on the field for the final two months of the year last year. Yeah, I, I think for them to do that, they just got to... You got to play better. Well, you got to play better and you got to feel good about yourself. And how do you start feeling good about yourself? By Winning. Getting, getting, getting a couple... What is it, vitamin W? Getting a couple of Ws. I mean... You, you, Listen, they're playing Frisco, in Frisco, and then they're home to Tampa Bay. Two winnable games. Let's say, let's say you won two games. Well, then you're going into Philadelphia uh, on November 25th feeling good about yourself as opposed to, like, woe is me. Because if you lost the, the, the up, two upcoming games, well, then you, who the hell knows what's going to happen. Okay, we don't, don't even want to think that. But, yeah, then, then you're going into and then – you know, as as Pat Shermer said yesterday when he spoke, uh, told us, you know, he, he spoke to Eli. He, he told everybody in the media, you can roll with it any which way you want. No, the game plan is I spoke with Eli. Everybody, we all got to play better, but the game plan is we believe in you, Eli. We're going to support you, Eli. And the game plan is for Eli and, and the Giants to win games. And that decision is going to take care of itself. Yeah, and then you get that stretch of four games, which have some winnable matchups. You've got the Bears, who are a good team, but they're not unbeatable, especially if you've got them on their home field. The Redskins now are an absolute mess, Russ, in terms of their injuries on their offensive line. Without their left tackle, both their guards are going to be out for a long time. Uh, we know about their injuries for Chris Thompson, Jameson Crowder, their receivers. So who knows what they're going to be at that point. And then you're home to Tennessee. And they're not very good. You go on the um, road to Indy. They're not great. And then you're home uh, December 30th to Dallas. Who might have a fired coach on their hands by then. Who knows? Yeah. Who, who, who knows? Who knows is right. So, I, I mean, it's... Well, the NFC East is that, that nine wins. That's all you need. Yeah, maybe eight. In this crazy season, that could very well be the case. And a wild card ain't coming out of the NFC no, East. No, either. I mean uh, that that would make for a wild situation. By the way, we're talking about Evan Brown. Evan is uh, active on the roster, 
but he has been inactive uh, every game Correct. thus far this season. 201-939-4513 is the number. Again, folks, got to remind all of you that Big Blue Kickoff Live here is presented by Coors Light. So download the Coors Light uh, Rewards app to win yourself amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. So what else jumped out at you, Russ, on the bye week, watching football over the weekend without the Giants? Um, what jumped out at me? I'll tell you what jumped out at me if, we, if we're just going to digress a little bit sure. from the Giants. In a losing effort, what jumped out at, at me is the uh, Los Angeles Rams are really, really good. Yeah, and so are the Saints. They're both no, really no, good. I'm, I'm not t- without question. And, you know, it was, you know, uh, Drew Brees was a little motivated, I think, with the Rams coming in. And, you know, we'll, we'll show you. But let me tell you what. The Rams were getting blown out. 35-14. 35-14. They were getting blown out. And not only did they come back, they came back with a fury. Yeah, they tied the game. They, they, they tied the game. Uh, it was terrific. The way It was a fun game to watch. You know what the, the most fun about that game was? Not being a fan of either team where you can just sit back Absolutely. and enjoy the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes those are just fun. Like, you get done with your Giants, and ugh, I'm not sitting on the edge of the seat. I'm not making notes. Let me just sit back and watch. And that's how I watched that game. But the Rams came roaring back. Now, they answered uh, to the Saints' credit. But, you know, that score, that was a nail-biter of it. That was a hell of a football oh, great game. game. And it, it just showed me, I, I was on the phone with a buddy after the game, I said, they passed the acid test. Not that they didn't earlier in the season, you know, they were 8-0, but to get to that juncture and in that game and, you know, they, they weren't at home where they came back. They were in New Orleans coming back and they came back with a vengeance. I, I was very impressed. I, I will be shocked. Well, to me, that's your NFC... Uh, Get title game? Title game. Well, that's my second question. Do you give any other team in the NFC, the Vikings, Panthers, the what? team from the yeah. NFC North, do you give any, the Eagles, do you give anybody else a chance against those two teams? Do you put anybody near their level at this point? Well, uh, I think those are the two best teams, but when you start not giving anybody a chance— that, like, that's when it bites you on a rear end. Like we, the former Super Bowl champions. Yeah. Sure. That, that, that's exactly right. I, I, listen, you want to know what? If the Eagles get into the playoffs, I'm not ruling out the Eagles. How can you? With that the, pass rush? The, don't. And they're still the champs, okay? Until you, they, you dethrone them, they're, they're alive in there. And, you know, again, listen, we've – hello, here's your Giants helmets. Nine and sevens. Ten and sixes, whatever it was, wild card, you know, uh, winning four games on the road. Come on. You know, so to me, uh, it, it's who gets out at the time. But clearly, I think those are the two best. But I'm not ruling out anybody else. Now, the in the— um, How about the AFC? Well, it, obviously the Chiefs— They're fun, man. They're, they're, they're really fun to watch. Now, And listen, I love— um, Mahomes, I, I think the kid is—he's a video game, j- just electric to watch. Speaking of video games, though, I mean, I mean, like some of that yardage, I'm not taking anything away from. Him. I, I think he's your MVP thus far, 
But having said that, I mean, he throws a little pass to, to, <laughs> to, 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 to Kareem Hunt, Hunt yeah. and bye-bye, <laughs> so long, farewell, 70 yards, and, you know, adios. Yeah, I mean, it, it's insane. So you have the Chiefs. You have, uh, obviously, Tom Brady and the um, uh, Tom Brady and, and the Patriots. I'll tell you a team to watch. San Diego Chargers? You got it. I like them, too. I'm with you on that. Really, really good. I, I think they got, you know, some – a defense, they got some great receivers, and you know what? They can get Joey Bosa back. That would yeah, help a lot. You get Bosa back, and um, you know what? Philip Rivers has yet to win a Super Bowl, and that's no. not his fault either. No, 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 no. But but I'm saying, yeah. Well, but you know, we always talk about you know Eli's not on an island here. Same thing with Philip Rivers. That guy's he's he's a Hall of Fame level quarterback, but he just hasn't had the help he's needed over the last ten years to get there. You, you know what? Um, again, I know. I, if I mentioned it before, uh, I was talking with Ernie Acorsi mm-hmm. uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I asked Ernie about, you know, when you're picking a quarterback or you're acquiring a quarterback, signing one, whatever the case may be, what's the mindset? And the mindset is, can the guy deliver the Super Bowl? Can he deliver the Super Bowl? Uh, can he deliver... When the game is on the line with two minutes to go, that's the situation. And you know what? You know what Ernie said to me when they made their last drive in, in Coughlin's first Super Bowl. He said he was sitting with his son, and he looked at his son on the Giants' last drive and said, "This is why, this is why we got Eli Manning." And now we're going to find out if the, if the reason gets answered. Yeah, and you know the fun. Here's the funny thing, Russ. I think all three of those quarterbacks wound up exactly where they needed to be. I don't know if Roethlisberger could have survived in New York. I don't know if Phillip Rivers could have survived in New York. And I think this was the perfect place for Eli. I think Pittsburgh was the perfect place for Roethlisberger in terms of the town and the atmosphere. And I think Rivers got where he needed to go in San Diego. I think the guys wound up where they needed to go. Um, Obviously, two of the guys have wound up with Super Bowls and Roethlisberger and Manning. Rivers hasn't. but I always remember Phil Rivers. Remember he played through that? He played an AFC Championship game against the Patriots with a torn ACL. Yep, remember, I remember I mean, that. that. That was a that was, and I use, I use this word very carefully. That was a heroic performance. Heroic. You know what? You bring up something that was a very interesting point. They ended up where they were supposed to end up or where they needed to end up. You know, Eli Manning doesn't have that outgoing personality that uh, he, mind you, Eli can be a very funny guy. Very funny. Very, very funny. Uh, but Eli does not have that outgoing personality that you see or you saw with regularity from Big Brother Peyton. Yeah. But Eli's disposition, especially in the world we live in now and the last 10 years, and, you know, well, he's been here 15, but last, I mean, going through certain things, not everybody can stand up to that. Eli has been able to stand out with it, and I think having his personality has had a lot to do with it. Do you think the Steelers have a shot this year? I think yes. Oh, you know what? Good, good point. And, and you know, there's another. I'm glad you brought up the Steelers. There's another point. Now, Le'Veon Bell has not been around. Okay, what's the the running James Connor? James Connor. Yep. Okay, I want you to understand something, folks, because here's again. We're beating it into the ground, so be it with offensive line. You know what kind of offensive line the Pittsburgh Steelers have? Not you know, bad. 
Not bad at all. They have <laughs> potentially three Pro Bowlers on. Uh, uh, Marquis Pouncey is a perennial. Uh, Villanueva at left the, tackle. Villanueva mm-hmm. and um, the De- name is Castro. Yeah, yeah, DeCastro. DeCastro. Mm-hmm. Correct. You're talking about three potential, three potential Pro Bowlers. Not only has what's his name uh, Roethlisberger turned turned it around, but this Connor has been great. Don't you think having that great offensive line has something to do with oh, it? Oh, you think? Yeah, absolutely. And and you know the funny thing though, and almost watching them, something's missing this year. Like they turn it over too much. I don't know if Roethlisberger maybe you know was waiting to really turn it on to the playoffs. This I don't know. There's some, they they had a nice win against the Ravens last week in a classic what, AFC North. You know that was a very big win. Very nice win. Wasn't it in Baltimore as well? It was. Yes. I that's mean correct. that's in Baltimore against the team. You know, everybody was talking about the Ravens. A lot of people think the Ravens have the best defense in the league. That's pretty good. No, no, it is. I'm not yeah. saying no, but a yeah. lot of people view it as the best. So all of a sudden, you have that. You know what? I stand corrected. So who, who are the teams we mentioned? We got the, the Patriots, the Chiefs, Chiefs Steelers, Steelers, and Chargers. Well, you know what? I, I had mentioned the Chargers, the Chiefs, and, and not necessarily the, or the Chiefs, uh, Patriots, and Chargers. I, I wouldn't throw out the... Um, I would throw out the Steelers. You, you can, you know, they've been there. They of have course. guys who've been there. So, h- how can you, you know, dismiss them? I, I uh, uh, listen. To what we're talking about? We're talking about them. And we want That's to, okay. It's the NFL. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is, that yeah. we, and we want the Giants to get to number two. I know. On, on, on Monday night, I'll tell you what. There's going to be a lot of pressure on Andy Reid once he gets to the playoffs. If they finish like 14 and two or 13 and three. You know, he's never been the guy. He's never been the finisher. That's been able to get over the hump. Yeah. And his game planning and his schematics are so, like, otherworldly great. But that in-game stuff in the postseason, has just come back to bite him again and again, whether it was in Philly or then in Kansas City. Now, with this talent that he's got, I know their defense isn't very good, and that could end up being the end of him. And if that happens, so be it. That's not Andy Reid's fault. But... There's a little pressure on him once he gets to the playoffs to you know put a couple wins together. Look, if he loses the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, it's the Patriots, it's Belichick, it's Brady, whatever. But the Chiefs can't come out, get a bye, and then go lose in the oh, second no, round. No, 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 no. That would be a epic well, disaster. Well, well, that's that's an epic disaster for anybody who is in that position. But given his history, yeah. it would make it even worse for him. Yeah, it just makes it worse because he hasn't been able, yeah. as as we say, to finish the deal. But speaking of finishing the deal, yeah. we are finishing the deal uh, right now, right here. want to thank everybody. And got to remind you all that Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented, as always, by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win yourself amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. want to thank our trusty man on the board, Dave Dominic. Of course, got to thank my buddy here, John Schmelk. I am Russ Salzberg. And most of all, I want to thank you, the fans, for being part of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. I will see you next Tuesday. That's the day after the Giants hopefully win their second game of the season over the 49ers in Frisco. Until then, bye-bye, so long, and farewell. Adios.